What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. why I did it. John said he was a deserter. But do you understand why I had to kill him? Our way is the old way. The man who passes the sentence should swing the sword. Is it Therese or the White Walkers? The White Walkers have been gone for thousands of years. So he was lying. That man sees what he sees. And welcome to our podcast. I'm Duncan. And I'm Jason. And this is Game of Microphones, episode 43. And this is kind of a special episode because we're going into our coverage starting over with the pilot, which is super fun. And uh, just to warn you guys, if you just started watching Game of Thrones and you're looking for podcasts and you found ours, you should not listen. (laughs) Yeah, this one is full of spoilers. Unless you don't care about spoilers, this is from the point of view of having seen all the way up through season seven. So if if, uh, you want to hear what we thought without getting spoiled, the best we can do is we put out an episode covering seasons one and two. So once you get through season two, you could pick it up from there. Um, But if you don't want to be spoiled, you shouldn't listen. Otherwise, if you've seen up through season seven or you just don't care about spoilers, then this is going to be great. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. So we will start with our top five highlights of Game of Thrones season one, episode one. Winter is coming. I can't believe it's called that. Such a lie. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it doesn't say how long, but. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not a lie. Winter's here now. Yeah, it's true. It's just a super long summer and fall. Yeah. How crazy is that? The first episode is called Winter is Coming and what winter doesn't arrive until the season five finale is I guess if you're like Sansa and you're 13 years old and you've never seen a winter then six years later I guess that's still half her life away though but (laughs) (laughs) anyway winter is coming when just oh just wait as long as you've been alive yeah now and then it'll be here (laughs) all right so what do you got for your number five 
Well, I thought this would be a good opportunity to talk about just the first time we see a lot of these characters because it's the pilot episode and this is our first time encountering them. Uh, first of all, uh, it's called Winter is Coming and I never would have thought that wouldn't be until the end of season six. Even even watching this <laughs> pilot, I had a sense that it was just around the corner because Ned Stark kept saying it. <laughs> um then in the in the title sequence, which is the first time we see that, and we see King's Landing, Winterfell with Stark sigils, of course, the Wall and Pentos. That those are the locations that we see, which makes sense. And I remember just being really captivated by that right off the bat because it reminded me of like those um, maps from the Lord of the Rings of Middle Earth. Uh, but also they had this really cool animated pop-up book treatment and awesome music. So I, I mean, I'll talk about the intro later, but after that intro and then this, I'm like, Oh wow, this is great. This is great. (laughs) I'm loving this already. (laughs) Uh, first thing Jon Snow says he's watching Bran struggle to try and do archery, pats him on the shoulder and says, uh, go on father's watching and your mother. So that I thought that was interesting because right off the bat, his dialogue is a little hint father's watching. That sounds like our father. And then he goes, and your mother. So it's like right, not, right off the bat. His. They're hinting that something's <laughs> yeah. going on there. Yeah. And this is great too, that this is your number one, because my number one is get, is immediately getting accurate reads on the characters. Uh-huh. So this all fits in perfectly with, with y- mine too. Yeah. Well, here's uh, Sansa and Arya. Um, She's being praised for her fine embroidery needlework, Sansa, while Ari is struggling with it. And then next thing we know, she hits the target. So, yep, there Ari is the warrior. Yeah. <laughs> Sansa is the perfect little lady. Uh huh. John's uh, got bastard issues. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This all carried forward for years. Then uh, Ned, uh, aside from encouraging Bran, the first, well, that's the first thing we see him do standing up with Caitlin. Catlin, Catlin, um, I should know that by now on the second story, (laughs) just looking down this proud, you know, father figure with her strong and in charge and everything. Um, Joffrey, he comes in on his horse and he's kind of nodding and looking confident. And, you know, later at the feast, he catches Sansa's eye. He smiles at this point. We don't we have no clue what an ass he is, I would say. Right. Yeah. This is like the one character that we get zero accurate yeah. read on. He just seems like he could be a great guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, it's not true. Perfect gentleman of Westeros. <laughs> right. Then we see uh, Robert and uh, there's that tense moment between Robert and Ned when they first meet. But, um, you know, they're staring each other down. And I think that was just two dudes having fun with each other. There was no Ned was not nervous oh, at all. That was just for the audience's sake to go. Oh, what's it's so funny. They're they're playing it up because the audience yeah. doesn't know of the relationship right. yet that these two basically grew up together and were best friends. Yeah. And fought practically wars together brothers. And won the crown together. Yeah, they are. Yeah. For all intents and purposes, brothers. So, <laughs> so funny. And then it's all like all that tension is just wiped away immediately. You got fat. You know, and and uh, Eddard looks him up and down and <laughs> yeah. kind of laughs like, you got fat, bro. <laughs> yeah, he was asking for that, Robert. That was great. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was like he knew what Ned's response would be. Yeah. He was like making fun of himself by saying that. <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, then uh, I was like kind of funny the first thing we see Tyrion doing is getting his dick sucked right <laughs> by, everything just by total Roz. horror man and then I, I love too that Jamie 
came in and gave him some crap, but then he brought more prostitutes and uh, smiles. Like, so they get brother. right off the bat that Jamie likes Tyrion. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's kind of sexist to say what a good brother, but it was kind of touching to see <laughs> that they have this bond and this friendship right from the start. Uh, we see Danny looking out the window. I was thinking maybe across the sea to Westeros. Mm, I, I don't yeah, know. Good, good point. I hadn't considered it. And then uh, creepy Viserys demeaning her and making her feel small and pretty much molesting her right off the bat. He's a fucking right, asshole. Which also gives us a little hint at the Targaryen history of incest. Yeah, yeah, right, right. But she didn't seem to like that. History no. at all. Uh, then Cal Drogo, I thought that was, I, I didn't expect that. I, I didn't remember, but he, he, we see him coming up into this like kind of elegant garden courtyard uh, on his horse. Right. <laughs> That's not the, quite the scene you're used to seeing the Dothrakis in. But uh, it was great to see Jason Momoa again, and he's so still and quiet, but exuding this power and intensity. Super intense without saying mm-hmm. anything. I saw his um, his audition reel the other day for Game of Thrones, and man, he's a maniac in that. Oh yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah, Did you yeah. Try different, seen different ways of doing it, or was it pretty consistent? It, oh, it was totally consistent. It was basically the scene from later this scene, this season when he's um, after the attempt on Daenerys's life, and he's all pissed off, and he's going around the fire like banging on his chest and screaming about riding their wooden horses across the ocean uh-huh. to take the Iron Throne, and he basically was doing that in the audition, and it was terrifying. <laughs> it seemed like uh, she was kind of interested in him. She moved towards him right away and she was scared, right. but she seemed interested. And th- But then she said she didn't want to be his queen. So maybe she was conflicted or, or maybe I was reading that wrong and she wasn't interested. She was probably at all. caught up in the emotion for a yeah, minute, you know, and then her yeah. logical brain like t- kicked in later when thinking about it. Like, what? Wait, wait a second. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It seemed kind of like that. I had actually forgotten totally that Benjen was such a big part in the beginning. I didn't remember seeing him until we saw him with Bran in like season oh, yeah. six or whatever it was, five. Yep. You five. learn he's a member of the Night's Watch right off, right off the bat that mm-hmm. John is like a big uh, fan of his. And it, it was interesting. There was, um, there was a moment where he's meeting with John and you're kind of getting the, like a feel for their relationship. And John tells Benjen he wants to join the Night's Watch, right? Yeah, and, and he's Benjamin's trying to talk like, him out of it. You might not. Right, he's like, none of us will father children. And John's like, I don't care about that. And he's like, you might if you knew what it meant. And now that we know what it means, because John is actually a Targaryen heir to the throne, that would be passing on along a royal important bloodline. Mm-hmm. I think Benjamin knew, man. Benjamin fucking knew. Uh, see, now what I thought he was saying is... Uh, you might, if you knew what it meant, that meant you might care about going up there if you knew what, how shitty the conditions are and uh, how, you know, how there's all these scumbags up there. And stuff. Oh, maybe that was part of it. But that specific line, I think he was referring right to, to, um, to none of us will father children and John saying, mm-hmm. I don't care about that. Could be. Um, specifically. I was glad to see that it was the same actor uh, because a lot of times when characters have a brief part and then they show up later in the show, they get a a more seasoned actor to play the role when the role gets bigger. But 
I mean, he this guy's great. So, yeah, I thought he was awesome too. Mm-hmm. Um, he does look a little different in later seasons with all the facial prosthetics yeah. that they put on. <laughs> he makes yeah, his face he looks look a, little a lot fatter. happier and easygoing and carefree here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. And the last thing I noticed just that Cersei said it was her first time in the North. I thought that was interesting, and I don't think she's been back up right. there since. So first and only. Yeah, time. definitely not. <laughs> and she does not want to go up there still. No, <laughs> currently. Yeah, she's like, you got. Oh, you're so pretty. We shouldn't hide you away up here, like little dig and things like that right about the north so funny that's it okay um yeah so continuing on that thread of meeting the characters for the first time and getting a read on them um right off the bat the first time we see jamie he says that um as your brother to cersei so they establish immediately Mm -hmm. that they were brother and sister and she goes on to tell a story about him jumping off of the the hundred foot rocks at Casterly Hill. And so it establishes him as being brave, but reckless. Um, and, uh, <laughs> what was, uh, there's, yeah, there's just a lot of, a lot of those things. Um, Danny gets in the hot bath immediately and is yeah. warned by her handmaiden. Oh, it's too hot. You know, my, my princess. And that's foreshadowing her like total immunity to, to heat apparently. Yeah. And I, you know, right before that, uh, Viserys says you're slouching and it's true. And that's kind of, um, interesting because she's so, uh, demeaned by him all the time and disrespected and just held down, held back. And she seems so meek, you know, I mean, you can see little yeah. bits of her, her assertions coming out, but it's, it's very, uh, stunted and, it's because of him and, and she hasn't really realized her true power. But when she went, I remember now I hadn't remembered until I rewatched it, but when she got in that hot bath and the woman says it's too hot, I thought, Oh, this feels to me like, you know, someone who cuts themselves just to feel something or, or someone who's just so numb because right. of shit that they've been through that she didn't even care anymore. Fuck it. But now, yeah, watching it a second time is like, Oh, this is showing that she's actually got some, power some specialness to her right yeah it's so cool man and and you're totally right about that like the idea of cutting yourself or you know making doing something just so you can feel um yeah that's a great read on that scene as well it could be both but it's definitely on second viewing it's like oh yeah this is showing that she's impervious to heat right and how it fits in with that that prior psychology we're just talking about helps even mask that clue a little better which right. is, makes it even more clever, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like how it shows that this episode shows that John is, was very supportive and patient with his siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, right off the bat, like you're saying, he says, go on father's watching and your mother encouraging Bran when they go to, um, to watch the beheading of the night's watch deserter. He's kind of tutoring Bran. He's doing, he's, he's got the older brother role. Like I, like, I feel like it should be Rob saying these things yeah. to him, you know, but yeah. it's Jon Snow, like he, the natural leader. When I first um, watched this, I thought these kids are kind of like, you know, they're going to grow into themselves, but they're pale imitations of Ned, the hero who's just amazing man. That's kind of how I thought back then. Um, but now in hindsight, you know, John's just become this total hero even outshining Ned and oh yeah so now looking back I'm, I'm noticing all these things about him he's the one who seems the 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 coolest of the brothers you know even Absolutely. Rob seems a little uppity sometimes or or kind of arrogant and especially when John's the one who um 
stood up for the dire wolf pups when everybody else was ready to kill them. It's like, you're the most noble. You're, you're the most helpful, the most humble, most empathetic. Yeah. So he, he was showing all those uh, traits and, and watching this episode every time I saw him, I couldn't help but thinking like, yep, there's old Aegon Targaryen. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. That's crazy. I didn't even think of that once this whole time, uh, this whole episode. <laughs> First You're time so I right saw him, like, there's Aegon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a great scene with the direwolves. Um, mm-hmm. he's, you know, the, 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 uh, the direwolf is your house sigil. You've got five kids there's five wolf pups like yeah. they each deserve one and then you know, the run, there's right off the back protecting the little guys little yeah <laughs> it's so cool you can hear it like sort of whimper on the show right and um and that sort of like that's how john they start walking away and john hears it and then picks it up right did you notice that you hear him? yeah he i well i noticed i don't know if i heard the whimper but i noticed that he was the one who who heard it and or who noticed it yeah, I'm pretty sure that it whimpers, and that's interesting because Ghost never makes a sound, mm-hmm. right? So this, I'll give you, this is the one book thing I'm going to mention here, um, and it'll entice people to read the books because it's mm-hmm. pretty interesting. In the books, John hears Ghost, right, and goes to Ghost, and then everybody else that's there is like, "What you heard? You're, what are you hearing? There's nothing going on." So it kind of hints that that John and Ghost have like a mental thing going on already. Oh, interesting. So yeah, because Ghost never makes a sound. He's he's repeatedly well, referred to as silent I didn't hear in the books. It this time, and you did. So I think you and Ghost. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like you, you can tell, um, they set up the tension immediately between John and Catelyn. Also, first off, with him commenting that your mother, mm-hmm. um, which creates a you know a feeling of distance between the two of them. And then that's further exaggerated when um, at the end of the scene, uh, Ned gets called away to go for the beheading and Catelyn stands behind and she's just looking down at John from that balcony and they sort of have a moment where they look up at each other and it's really tense. And yeah, and he's kind of got this glowering, I'm, I'm sorry. Or Right, I'm sorry, I'm a bastard. She's like, fuck you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they, there's more of that. He's, you know, he's all pissed that he's not being able to go into the, uh, the, the, the banquet because he's a bastard and it would be unseemly, mm-hmm. um, which is really, you know, Ned's way of protecting him, keeping him far away from, from the king so that he would never right. notice a resemblance with Lyanna yeah. or figure out that it's really a Targaryen, <laughs> which is, it's so tragic, but like, you know what I mean? Like he's doing everything he can to protect him, but it's not having a good effect on John at the same yeah. time. And he's getting a lot of shit from his, from like Theon and, and his brothers too. And I, I kind of like that they're, they're being really playful with him. Like brothers are older brothers are sometimes they're like, you get the runt and everything, but um, it still yeah. feels like they love him, but still he's got to take Definitely. a lot of shit, you know? <laughs> and what is it when they're, um, when they're getting their hair cut, yeah, and uh, Rob, <laughs> Rob and he says, hates that man. They got yeah, a point, good. man. He's a little precious about that hair. <laughs> well, he's never met a woman he, or a girl he likes better than his own hair. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, that, that he looks like Nico when I take him to get his hair cut. <laughs> yep. And then um, further, you know, highlighting his bastard-related stress, he's, he interacts with Tyrion for the first time. He says, "You're Eddard Stark's bastard, aren't you?" He's all offended and. You know, let me give you a bit of advice. You never, never forget what you are. The rest of the world will not, 
wear it like armor and it can never be used to hurt you. Mm-hmm. He says, what the hell do you know about being a bastard? And all dwarves are bastards in their father's eyes. He responds. That's cool. Cause that's that classic. Was, yeah. Yeah. And significant recently. Um, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that scene especially is, I didn't realize it was in the pilot, but it was a little bit of a bond form between those two so that when they met up, I mean, they also go to the wall, but, uh, and have more bonding experiences, but this was the beginning of it. And so when right. they met up later in season seven, they had had that experience together where they kind of got to like each other. And you can tell like right, right off the bat and the way that he, John likes, you know, he's pauses it. It makes him stop and think about that. And he, he starts seeing Tyrion in a light similar to himself. Yeah. Yeah. And you can tell that he cares about, you know, as to quote the uh, the later episode, cripples, bastards, and broken things, just like Tyrion does. Uh, yeah. He's saving the little wolf pups. Mm-hmm. He's and starting it, to feel for Tyrion there. Like <laughs> it shows that Tyrion has a, a sensitivity and an empathy too. Right, absolutely. That he can relate to this bastard mm-hmm. who he would have no business talking to, but he's showing him care and giving him advice to to wear his bastardy, his armor. Um, you know, he's trying to elevate him as well. Um, kind of shows how where Tyrion is as well. So, yeah, good point. So, the, yeah, the whole episode is just... You get an immediate read on everybody that really well. Um, even... Yeah, except for except for Joffrey, basically. Yeah, which so is cool my, because uh, uh, right now we just want to see, you know, that Sansa has stars in her eyes and she might be a, a, a queen someday and... Even though right. there's already a lot of cruelty in this episode, which I'll talk about, we we don't realize yet how fucking cruel this series is going to be. And so they don't want to spell it out all at once. But I can't wait to I don't even remember. I think it's the very next episode. We find out what a dick Joffrey is, but I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> On the King's Road. Yeah, it might be. If the next episode is the King's Road, then yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that pretty much wraps up my number five. Uh, what about your... Okay. Number four, brother. So number four is similar to yours. It's just looking at how f- the future of the series and the characters are hinted at and also things seen in, in a new light. And sometimes I, I think um, that uh, we see glimpses of their future, but their futures are realized in ways that are actually a tragic or twisted version of what they thought, or even the opposite sometimes, but it's related. It's all, it's always related. For example, uh, Arya, she's a fighter and that's clear in this episode, but she becomes this (laughs) death assassin, like an extreme version, almost to the point of maybe being to her detriment. I mean, she's very useful obviously, but it seems like her soul is a little corrupted maybe. Yeah. It's sad. Really? Uh, Theon. I mean, I loved seeing good old early Theon who says things like, uh, he said, talking about Robert Baratheon, think of all the Southern girls he gets to stab with his right Royal prick, you know, <laughs> just got a yeah. smart mouth and he's comes off as arrogant and not total asshole, but he seems like he might actually be kind of a fun guy, but he's just kind of prickish cocky, and, but capable as well. Yeah. And then he makes later big, bold mistakes and uh, like that behavior, especially when he tried to take over Winterfell, fell, just came back to bite him in the ass majorly. And then with Ramsey just gets all of that the brashness, the, the, any constant references to sex, which we'll see later in the series, just gets that all stripped and cut away and he gets cut down to 
just nothing. To basically. Reek. <laughs> you could you could almost say that Theon was dead, right? Yeah, yeah. Which, all of that gets killed. Which brings me to his, the, you know, the whole Ironborn thing. What is dead may never die. That rises again, harder and stronger. Wow, Can we see a resurgence awesome. of Theon? Yeah, in the next season. <laughs> I, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> after that, after he get you know, after he sort of stepped up at the end of this one. I mean, we could see him come back hard. Yeah, and I, I awesome. like him, and especially I felt for him so much during that like whole season of torture. And he, oh, yeah. he's done some shockingly horrible things. But if you're going to watch this series, horrible things. You have to kind of. I mean, you don't have to, but you tend to want to forgive people like Jamie. He's he, we saw yep. him do a shitty thing in this episode as well. Yeah. And now we come we come back to kind of forgiving them a bit. So, uh, Sansa, she's into her, I, I'll, I'll say womanly traditions, like <laughs> yeah. embroidery, having her hair done, dreaming of being a queen, eyeing Joffrey. And, uh, she ends up just getting the, I think, I think just a pivotal moment for her is the whole thing with Ramsey and, you know, she ends up marrying the Lord and then just getting brutalized by him. And then, but then rising above that and becoming a strong, intelligent leader, she's kind of superficial in this episode, but now she's not at all. She's totally I uh, hope it stays sensible that way. and yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Yeah, she's sort of spoiled and bratty and entitled um, mm-hmm. to I start. Mean, like, I don't. I think she's not like a bad person or anything. But no, no, no. But not. I wouldn't stretch it that far. Yeah. But a little bratty. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, like she says right off the bat after after they talk about um, after Ned and and Robert talk about joining the house their houses potentially you know Sansa's talking with Catelyn and she's like you know it's all I've ever wanted to be queen it's like oh it's such a small thing to want you know I, I know mean? I know and, I, and I'm like <laughs> I bet you I, I'm surprised Caitlin didn't go you're asking for stuff all the time don't say that yeah right <laughs> I just want. like face palm at that moment like <laughs> yeah. oh, that's all you've ever wanted you know just that please please mom just, just to be a queen of everything <laughs> and then right. have everything I ever want <laughs> yeah uh, Bran, I, I talked about this in a recent episode, but he, he's a climber and an explorer and then he gets his legs taken away and, and then he becomes this kind of psychic explorer on a whole new level. So yeah, whole nother level extreme. of exploring. Wow. John, he's noble and he's humble and he wants to go north to the wall and kind of get out of the way of everything. I mean, that's not why, but that's what, that would be the. I mean, I, I, I kind of did wonder if that was why he's like, I'm sick of just being considered the bastard. I want to get out of here and do something, you know, have a purpose. But then he falls into this leadership position and he's in the middle of everything. And, and you can see his everything. leadership qualities, but also the humility. So it, it, that's just played out throughout the series where he's not going to come in and announce himself as king, but he's going to be a damn good king. Yeah, I freaking love Jon Snow, man. He's yeah, awesome. Me too. And I really He's did. Great. I remember thinking, oh, he seems kind of dour. And I, like everybody was making fun of him. And I think that affected me when I watched this going, yeah, he's, he's, he's a little bit of a loser. But watching it now after having seen everything that's happened, I, I totally perceive it differently. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. Uh, Ned. Now, Ned in this episode, he's just to the point of chopping off this guy's head. Uh, even though you can tell it's, it weighs heavily on him and then he gets his own head chopped off. And so there's an yeah, echo there talk about foreshadowing. And, and both of those are 
you know, not all the right information is out. Like with this guy, you know, it's clear Ned doesn't believe him. And, and it makes me wonder if Ned did believe him, would he have handled that situation differently? So, and maybe the guy would have survived. And then of course, when mm. Ned gets his head chopped off, it's all fucked up. Like not at all for the right, there's no reason right. for that to have happened. I think that Ned probably would have killed him, the deserter anyway. Um, even if he believed him, he probably would have said, you know, you should have taken it to your command. Yeah, like, maybe. Should have followed the chain of command. and. Yeah, and I was thinking, okay, that guy, Will, uh, he, he he's the one who deserted. I think he probably did the right thing because he thought, if I go back there, I know these guys are not going to believe me and then I'm going to be stuck and I want to go tell my family so I can help them. And uh, it turns out that his family had plenty of time to pack up and get out like six or seven years, but still. <laughs> but they didn't have any advanced warning, any notice. Yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't, we never have it confirmed that Ned passed the message along. Right. He, I mean, he, <laughs> he didn't believe it. I, I think to his dying day, he, he still didn't believe it. Yeah. Um, now, well, I already talked about Danny a little bit, but just seeing how fucked up Viserys treats her, I would let all 40,000 of them fuck you and their horses too, if that's what it took. It's just so yeah, good knowing w what she became to watch that and go, Oh dude, you're fucked. And she's going to be a total badass. So fuck you. It's yep. much better than seeing it the first time going, Oh my God, this poor girl. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. Knowing what's happening, it's much easier to mm -hmm. to take it in. And uh, I like the little the little hint that we get of Viserys's fate when they're during the wedding there, and um, he's becoming impatient and says, you know, like, when am I going to meet with the call? Blah 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 blah. And Illyrio Mopatis tells him, Call Drogo promised you a crown. You shall have it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Exactly. The golden crown that men will tremble to behold. <laughs> and she, Danny gets the dragon eggs from Illyrio and there's this weighty music and she, she oh. seems like something's going on. You know, she's stirred. It's like more than just getting some little table decorations. There's something important about this. Yeah. Something really, really important about it. That's um, her babies. I liked the, um, 
the quote there as well. I'm trying to find it. What does he say? Um, I wrote it down. He said they're um, stone. From the Shadowlands beyond Ashai. Uh-huh. The ages have turned them to stone, but they will always be beautiful. Uh, which I just thought was really cool description of them. So you know that they're petrified and right off the bat you're under the impression like they're they're, you know, they're useless. They're they're yeah, dead. Like, yeah. <laughs> but there's obviously something going on there. And yeah. then I was like, oh, one of those is gonna be a nice little zombie someday. Let's see. I mean, the relationship between Arya and Sansa, the only exchange that I noticed was uh, Arya keep making comments about the royal party. Where's the imp? Or that's Jamie Lannister. And Sansa going, shut up. <laughs> right. Yeah. She tells her to shut up. That was another time you get to you, you're you're fed the information that um jamie and cersei are, tw- are brother and sister that's yeah that's you know that's uh jamie lannister the queen's twin brother she says so yeah. they're like I, I read something about the um the original pilot recently in case anybody doesn't know this was the second pilot that they filmed for this mm-hmm. tv show the first one they um was too campy i guess and they the characters were not very well established like like people were unaware at the end that Jamie and Cersei were brother and sister when they were having sex. So it wasn't as potent. Um, so they ended up recasting a lot of people and rewriting it entirely and filming it again for largely. Um, interestingly, George R. R. Martin himself had a cameo in the original pilot being somebody visiting the, the manse at Illyrio Mopatis's place. And he might've been present for the wedding or something like that, but that didn't make the, uh, the final cut. Mm. Unfortunately, that would have been pretty cool. Yeah, there was a lot of feeding of information. Like the first time Jamie saw Cersei, he said, as your brother, I blah, blah, blah. Yeah, exactly. And then like Ned to Robert. Yeah, remember back when we were 16 and blah, blah, just to like tell that they were together, you know, that they're friends yeah, and, and everything. A lot. Of, and it could be considered clunky dialogue in some circumstances. But in this case, I think that it's all like extremely necessary. Yeah, it is. Um, it's hard yeah, as a storyteller so to figure out how to impart that kind of information. But I know that when I first watched this, I did not notice that only watching it now. Oh, yeah, neither in, did I. In hindsight, do I notice it? Yeah. And even in hindsight, I'm like, wow, it's good that they said that. <laughs> yeah. But it does make me feel a little better about like getting late into the show and going, is the quality down? Like, and I'm like, no, you know, I thought maybe going back, I would think the dialogue, oh, the dialogue used to be so much better. I mean, it's still great, but it's, it's, it's just as good now as it was then. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's any, I don't think it's gotten any worse yeah, at all. I don't think so. Except for the bad pussy line. What was that? Which one was that? <laughs> Remember, you want a good girl, but oh. you need the bad pussy from with Braun and the one of the Sand Snakes season five. You oh. blocked it out because it was that was like the worst line of the entire show. You must have <laughs> blocked it out. I don't. Know. I think it's fine, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. uh, so and then uh, looking at Liana's tomb is like, oh, we know so much more about what this means and everything now. I know Back, it's so cool. Yeah, I won't go into the story. You guys all know it, but yeah, yeah, it's there's old Rhaegar, I mean, old, uh, Aegon's mother right there. <laughs> and there's kind of just without telling the story, they're stressing the importance of it by showing how upset net Robert is about it. Um, mm. still like after all this time, it was obviously something really important involving this character. Yeah. Which is cool. And we know it's Ned's sister, but in Robert says in my dreams, I kill him every night. And do, right. do did Robert know that Liana was actually in love with Rhaegar? Um, we don't know that, do we? We don't know for a fact. Mm-hmm. 
it yeah, it's it's kind of interesting the way that it all played out. That I think he, people may have been afraid to tell him, or that he just couldn't accept that Liana would abandon their betrothal like that. Like he, it just I don't know if it was a psychological barrier or a literal information barrier that prevented him from realizing what was going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then right off the bat, just uh, talking about little hints of the future, this series pulled the rug out from under me and kind of broke my heart because I loved watching brand jump around and climb on the buildings and they played that. Yeah. That's my number three. Cool music. And then he gets pushed out a high window and as far as I knew killed and I'm like, Oh <laughs> fuck man. I'm like, I better not get attached to anyone in this series. I know that now. And right. that's, and I still take that to heart and that's kind of why I'm able to deal with things like the recent death of Viserion, the dragon and, and so many uh, others just cause of this brand thing. And then later Ned, I'm like, yeah, Nope, you can't get attached. It. That's what game of Thrones is. Yeah. They kind of give you the warning shot across your <laughs> yeah. bow with, uh, with first brand. episode taking the plunge here Uh oh man oh uh, one other thing about um the information whether or not liana was kidnapped or you know had run away and eloped um she was 16 at the time so even if it was her decision her father may have said may have considered it unwilling because she was you know only 16 years old um Mm. so statutory kind of thing yeah it could have been considered to be a kidnapping um either way Hmm. Last, uh, I, when we saw those like eye, um, little charms or whatever laid on the eyes, on John Aaron's John eyes. Aaron, yeah, I, I remember like, oh yeah, so that's cool. what they did with Joffrey in the same spot. And, and Tywin. Oh, maybe that's who I'm thinking of. Maybe it was Tywin and not Joffrey or maybe it was both. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> that was interesting. And then, you know, same thing. We know so much more about John Aaron now that he was, uh, Caitlin's sister's husband and there's a right. little a, they allude to that a little bit here but you don't really get it and that John and Aaron, that's my number four so we can just jump right into that right now yeah Continue. well he protected Ned from and his brother from the Mad King and and that Leon Lysa did what she killed him poisoned him because Littlefinger who we don't even see in this episode told her to and then sent, sent a note to Caitlin accusing the Lannisters just to get Ned um, going and getting himself in trouble. Now, why did Littlefinger do that exactly? Why did he uh, do do what? Why did, he, why did he have Lysa poison John Aaron and kill him, and then send have her send a note to Caitlin accusing the Lannisters because he wanted to get Ned killed so he could have Caitlin? I think he's just constantly sowing discontent among various groups of people, whether it's siblings or houses. He just planting don't seeds think he had of some chaos. Specific end in mind. And I really, I really don't think it was anything specific. Mm. Like, there's no way he could. Just have that whole chaos that is a ladder thing. Let's make yeah, some chaos. Yeah. Mm. Just yeah, just sowing seeds of chaos where he can, and seeing what sprouts, and and okay. climbing uh, the stalks. Got I it. think because I don't think there's any way he could have particularly foreseen. Maybe he foresaw Ned being named Hand, but he couldn't have seen the whole brand thing. Or any of that, like yeah, we know we now know it was his dagger, but he couldn't have known that was going to happen. That, well, that was, was his undoing, a, too. Come to think of it, right? Yeah, it was because <laughs> yeah, Brand's the having, one who knew everything about him in the end. There, 
Right. So he saw that he, he he turned the Starks and again the Lannisters against each other. Then he saw one of the sprouts from his sowing of seeds of discontent, which was Bran's attempted murder, and he harnessed that by sending someone in to finish the job. Mm. Just to to solidify that tension, right? Um, which caused Bran to lose his legs, and then he ended up becoming the Three Eyed Raven and laid bare all of the things that Littlefinger did. Yeah, to, so only to so get him executed. <laughs> and I love that the story device of seeing all these things take take flight, like come into motion before we're even introduced to the character of Littlefinger. So we're not likely to, to make the connection that one is related to the other, which is really cool. And man, this would have been such a different podcast if we had tried to do it without giving any spoilers, because that's pretty much all we're doing, but I love it. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's great to like think about it in context. Yeah. Yeah. Be able to marvel at the significance of seeming, seemingly tiny little things. Yeah. This is the perfect (laughs) show to do that. Yeah, like all dwarves are, father, are bastards in their father's eyes. Who would ever think that that would come up again and be something that... Mm. <laughs> that or to think, uh, too, so that he's actually not a bastard and so <laughs> yeah. that advice doesn't totally apply. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, but so good. I'm done. Oh, you did. Oh, so that your number four was about Lysol. John Aaron's yeah. death and the significance of that. So, yeah, like we, we immediately are seeing... The first time we go to King's Landing is in the Sept of Baylor, and we're seeing John Aaron lying there dead with the stones over his eyes. And that meant nothing to us at the time watching this originally, mm-hmm. you know, like zero. We have no idea who this guy is, what significance his character is, why it matters. And I he's didn't dead. even remember that we ever saw him physically. Exactly. <laughs> it, was, it was completely like useless at that point, like... Um, it would just, you know, you'd push that information out of your head to remember the important mm-hmm. stuff, you know. Let the but if you go to the out. Game of Thrones wikia and look up John Aaron, you'll see his corpse with her. Yeah, because <laughs> that's <not> yeah. <laughs> only time we ever saw him, which is great. Um, I almost included that in my pictures, too, when I was you know, writing about how we're doing the rewatch. Um, but yeah, there's that. Then we get the rider and the knight from from. From Lysa, from the Vale, and the Airy, explaining that the Lannisters had had um, you know poisoned him, and Catelyn is like, well, if if she can't be lying about this, because it, like if somebody, if this letter ended up in the wrong hands, if this rider was intercepted, her head would be on a spike, right? You know? And it, the truth is that well, Littlefinger doesn't care about that. Right. The truth is, Littlefinger does not give a shit about Lysa, as we see in the in the in the, in the Moon Door episode, <laughs> season four, episode eight, I think, or some six, one of those. Um, but yeah, it it's just cool seeing all this stuff happening, seeing John Aaron dead, seeing the Rider and the Knight, and hearing of the Lannisters poisoning her um, him. When we found out in the last episode to air, the season seven finale, that Littlefinger did all this stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Like that it's exposed that he was the one that responsible for this guy's death, that he made Lysa write that letter, you know, and it's all just a manipulation. And we don't even know this character exists yet. So there's no way we're going to make the connection, you know, when we first meet him or anything like that. It was good that we found out when we did, because why didn't they wait till season four? Right. Something like that. So that at that point, it was such a huge revelation. Oh, my God. What? Oh, dude, Littlefinger fucking did this, you know, and it took enough time that you were so invested in the series by them, but then it took another three seasons before that all finally came to light. So, uh, that was a perfect amount of time to go, when is he going to get found out? You know, keep thinking that. And then when he did, it was so satisfying. 
it's just mm. so cool the whole structure of how they <laughs> arranged for all this I, it's just phenomenal storytelling in my opinion <laughs> me too I, like, it's just <laughs> so good man it's really cool to watch it again um yeah, and I when you know the, the the death of John Aaron leads to Ned heading south, and <laughs> we have Catelyn who's discouraging him from going, and then Maester Lewin who's saying, "Well, if it is the Lannisters that are responsible for John Aaron's death, who else would be able to protect Robert than you? Like you're the only one who he can trust at this point. He's surrounded down there by Lannisters and whatnot." Um and. Catelyn replies and says to Ned, which is like such a poignant moment for me, like really hits me. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it was <laughs> your father and brother rode south on a king's demand. And we don't know what that means at this point, watching yeah. it for the first time. But yeah. Lewin responds a different time, a different king. So, you know, something happened. Right. And there's so and many. I mean, a lot of the story, the history, I um had to go and read the wiki to really flesh it out because since I haven't read the books so yeah it's interesting to see how they drop little hints of all these things but uh, you don't really understand what he's talking about I think the main point of that is uh, there's been a history of dangerous and tragic stuff that's happened <laughs> when people ride south yeah yeah, yeah that's it uh, but now we know and, the story behind yeah, and it. it was really ominous at the time too I remember thinking seeing it for the first time I was like whoa like this is <laughs> serious Something serious went down. Had you and not read the books? No, I, I had. Uh, I started watching the TV show during season four when it had started airing, and I marathoned mm. it all the way up until season four, episode eight, which is the first episode that I ended up watching live on HBO, and that was the Mountain and the Viper. And it's the first one I'm, I ended up watching live. I was watching it with my family, wow. uh, my parents, and my sister, I think. <laughs> and at the end, when the you know the Viper's head gets crushed. Um, the screen turns black and we all just sat there in silence for yeah. like three minutes. How like, oh didn't? my God. Like, oh shit. Me and Jenny too. We're just sitting there going, fuck. Yeah, it was like the <laughs> craziest episode to watch live for the first time. Right. Something so intense like, happening. If you ever, listeners, trust me on this. If you ever want to get someone into Walking Dead, just have them watch season seven, episode one. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> so much, so much dead air, but, but beautifully done. Like, yeah. um, in context, it's amazing. Yes. <laughs> but I, I always feel like walking dead, it just ramps up on the brutality as it goes. So, but we're a bit desensitized to it that if you ever jumped in later in that series, you just think whoever watches the show is a monster that you really have to start yeah. at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. I don't, th I don't know how much it's been really described what happened to Brandon and Rickard Stark on the TV show, but Sansa did mention this last season that the mad King Ares murdered their grandfather who was Rickard. Um, mm. So it's at least been mentioned. I don't know if, to what extent I can't remember. Um, how much people know, but yeah, it was brutal. We know that Brandon and Ned and Ed are, and Brandon and Rickard rode south and were killed. They never came back. We know that much for sure. And murdered by the king. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be watching for little tidbits because I'm not the kind of person who can pick up on these little tidbits as the series goes along. I had to go and look into all of it, but now that I kind of know the story, it'll be interesting to rewatch and see what they doled out. Definitely. Definitely. So that pretty much covers my uh, number four, the death of John Aaron, just its whole significance. And now we know 
like what happened with Littlefinger. So everything, seeing it happen um, now, rewatching just is more significant and means more. And we can see how it fits into the context of everything and why it's so important. Like all this stuff is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So uh, moving on to your number three. What you got? Okay, I'm just going to talk about stuff having to do with whites and white walkers. So I remember when I got into this, I was I was excited, but I also thought, well, it's a fantasy story. And I think this is one reason why a lot of people don't even watch or care about Game of Thrones. They're like, I don't really care about fantasy. I mean, I always did like fantasy, but I just think of it as more like a Lord of the Rings and watching this uh, the intro More high with fantasy. The snow. yeah and and then i see zombies and i'm like zombies awesome yes. <laughs> and for you exactly <laughs> yeah too. and that's the same thing that happened with me i thought it, i wasn't as focused on like the um the uh like magical fantasy elements of it but i was under the impression that it was all about like political intrigue and stuff like that so i wasn't really excited to watch it either i had been i hadn't i had, had no interest in it really and finally, so many people had said that it was good that I ended up watching the mm -hmm. pilot and, you know, this first scene with the whites and everything. And within 30 seconds, I was just helplessly yeah. hooked and addicted. I just remember thinking within 30 seconds, seeing this gate and the ice tunnel and the front of the wall and just the colors and the cinematography and everything. It just looked like money, like looked like straight money, just stacks of gold. I was just like, wow, this is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And well, I knew I was going to love it. Even the political intrigue, like if you, if you are, if somebody described to me, if they just said, this is a fantasy with lots of political intrigue, then I would be dubious and, and I'm not sure right. it sounds <laughs> yeah. a little bloodless and a little dry, but when, when you get into, um, Game of Thrones, it's full of life and it's edgy and dark and right. it's uh, funny and, you know, it's just so like l full of life. Like I said, it's right. Like I was imagining it more of like Downton Abbey vibe. Or yeah. But I imagine that as, you know, dull, right. like more dry. And <laughs> yeah. I actually like that show, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> I, I haven't really yeah. watched it, but that that's the way I pictured Game of Thrones is what I yeah, imagine like Downton that. Abbey as. And I'm probably wrong about that, too. Yeah, <laughs> so. you might be a little bit, but I know I understand what you're saying um so about the white walkers and the whites well for one thing the whites aka the zombies are a, a bit scarier early on because we don't know that oh. much about them and just a few seem scary whereas like later we see the magnificent seven fighting off a horde of them which was awesome but right you know they're not quite it's not quite the horror movie feel and the things that were scary about them the eyes they're kind of cloaked in shadow a lot mm. in this beginning they they're not wearing armor or any type of um insulation up in the cold so that's scary in itself that they're sort of unnatural and it's unnerving um yeah what do you got and and the girl she just looks like a horror movie character she's got a little bit of malice oh yeah the face. whites themselves right yeah yeah i was referring to the white walker um but yeah yeah the totally white, yeah, yeah. This, she's just uh, yeah. creepy, creepy. And, and, and then also the creepiest thing is all those dead bodies arranged in this pattern which um right look that's like, important oh, too. that's cult-like but yes that Going forward, we see similar patterns in the cave drawings that Jon Snow showed Danny in season seven, spirals right. and circles yeah, and things. Yeah, we see that symbol as well, too. Yeah, and, but a couple seasons after this, when uh, Jon's with the wildlings, he's with Tormund and Greet and Mance Raider, they find these horses arranged in a spiral. And then I think in season five, there's... Uh, ice spice spike circles in, around the mantle where the night king is 
we first see the Night King and he's turning one of Craster's oh, kids. That was amazing. That whole place yes, was so cool. Looking. That was so cool. And then in the door, when the three-eyed ravens showing Bran how the White Walkers were created, uh, we see a spiral of stone around the weirwood tree. Mm-hmm. So it's like I think the children, you know, we think maybe the children of the forest. These symbols are important to them, and they're using that in their ritual to turn the sky into the first White Walker. So the patterns uh, maybe originated with the children of the forest but lived on through their creations the white walkers yeah it's really interesting but we don't we still don't really know exactly the nature of them or what 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 they're about it seems like a magical thing to me but it could be just a ritual or a tradition or something yeah i wonder um i noticed when you said when you when you said weirwood a minute ago a minute ago you kind of said weirwood um um you know you know why that's called that i don't Apparently, it was a nod to Bob Weir from The Grateful Dead oh. <laughs> by George R.R. R. Martin. And they say Weirwood on the TV show. So when you said Weirwood, oh, it, it kind of triggered that, saying, in my, like that memory spelled. in my that's, brain. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. And, and then last, uh, just about the um, White Walker stuff. So what, what are the Night's Watchmen doing? They're like scouting for wildlings, right? They're ranging, yeah, they're uh, scouting for wildlings, just getting a feel for the vibe of what's going on, I imagine. Um, it's a frequent thing they do, they, they range, they're just, you know, mm-hmm. make keep a watch on the area, make sure that there's no encroaching forces, um, stuff like that. And then, as you said, we do see Hunting. a white walker, and it's interesting that they're already pretty close to the wall in season one here, but I, I, I'm right. imagining what they're doing is they're just biding their time and they're trying to increase their army. Anytime they can encounter a living thing, they'll kill it and add it to their forces. Right. For the most part. But interestingly here and at the season two finale, we see two occasions where they let a human live. So they let Will live, right? He throws mm-hmm. him, tosses him the head. Let's we him didn't escape. see how he got away, but yeah, you assume that the white Walker could have probably killed him if he wanted to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, he was definitely left alive for a reason to send the message that the White Walkers are back, baby. Um, (laughs) So what's their motivation for that? Why? Why are they telegraphing this? Is it so that the the Night's Watch will begin ranging more frequently, that they'll encounter the dead, that they'll eventually send the dragon? Are they intentionally starting the chain reaction to get a dragon to come up their way in the future? I mean, I don't necessarily think we can assume that the White Walker let him live because we've seen other people get away from them. But um, it could be. I I think uh, I think that he let him live because at the end of season two, the White Walker intentionally lets Sam live. Okay, And you know what? Another reason why I think that he may have let him live is, I mean, why you might think that he let him live is that he threw that head out. And that's if that's sort of like we're fucking dangerous. <laughs> yeah. That's a message. Like he, yeah. he could have just approached him. Right. He, right. Like, yeah, he, that gesture, um, meant something. I feel like, mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's, it's crazy though. Why did he let him live? I want to know. I mean, now we mm-hmm. sort of know that the night King is connected with Bran in these visions. Could it have, could he have foreseen everything and it's it, just playing his part? It could be just as simple as because somebody needed to go back and get their head chopped off by Ned and, talk about the white walkers and stuff like that could be you know they needed it for the story or maybe Mm. there's the more people they can attract the more undead they can gain for their army yeah i think if you had to have a story reason that would be it that would make the most sense to me yeah 
because otherwise it's not smart to let your enemy know about you. You should just right. yeah. Yeah, build your forces you keep your tactical secret. advantage. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Is that it for your number three? Yep. All right. My number three is brand and climbing. Um, one, that was another thing when I first started watching this series that sort of caught my attention that they had somebody climbing around a castle and you know, I've always thought castles were really cool and I've always liked exploring and climbing on things and stuff like that. So I felt like they were tapping into part of my soul with, mm. with brand climbing in this and exploring the castle and getting this unique vantage point of, of everything. And it just really like tapped into my spirit of adventure and, um, I just I just really loved it. the music playing and he's the first to see the, the, the king and the queen arriving and he's obviously really talented at climbing like mm-hmm. some of the uh, those shots like are the, really cool too when he's walking along the spine of the rooftop. Yeah, and I'm just mm-hmm. imagining it like wanting to do it. You know? <laughs> yeah. so having stepped into the series, not thinking that I would be interested at all. It was something that stuck out to me as well, um, that they're just capturing capturing the sort of whimsical um adventure vibe that yeah. I, uh, you know, that I could relate to. And it was Until surprising. They kill him, almost. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that was something that like, I'd loved also about the yeah. episode. Just, Cause they, wow, they really tease you and play balls, with you. Man. Like Jamie sort of seems a little bit like, Oh, uh, you know, we can't kill this guy. And how old are right. you? And Oh, well, bye bye. Yeah. <laughs> and there's foreshadowing with Catelyn, which is another, like another part uh, that relates to my number one establishing her character is she's very protective over her children. She's like, listen, Bran, like you gotta fucking stop climbing you little mm-hmm. bitch. But she kind of laughs uh, when she realizes he's lying too. I think she's, yeah, you know, yeah, I feel like knows. that as There's a father sometimes when I'm telling Nico, you can't do this. And he fights back. I'm like, he's a fighter. That's good. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like uh, Cersei with Joffrey, like, it's not good the stuff that he does but he had will and drive and that was what she did not like about tom and yeah he he was a pushover he'd be pushed around so obviously bran is going to be his own person which is you know good as a parent to uh Mm-hmm. to experience uh you know knowing yeah, you don't want to crush to completely crush that impulse out of your kid <laughs> right <laughs> so she's got mixed emotions but that's foreshadowing brand falling obviously but it's also establishing catelyn as being a fiercely protective mother which uh mm-hmm. was cool that jamie mentioned that um in what season six i believe when he's he's meeting with um edmure tully who's a prisoner and he's comparing cersei to Catelyn saying that they're both fiercely protective of their children and that he yeah. admired that about Catelyn. I felt like that was portrayed in this episode. Um, at least with that scene to start. So yeah, mm-hmm. right off the bat, we're learning these deep, these deep traits for these characters consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that I just, I just love the climbing and that, that whole thing just really hit me. So that, that's my number three, just the novelty. And I love that too. That was something that drove me yeah. and like brought me into this series and made me care. And, and later when, uh, when Bran me. comes, you know, he, he's not dead. And I was like, Oh good. I hope we get to see more of those climbing sequences. And then it's when it's clear that he's going to be <laughs> he's uh, crippled, you know, his legs. I was like, Oh man. Oh well. Yeah. At least he's alive. Yep. <laughs> I still yeah, always just, like his character. Yeah, definitely. And it just stuck out to me, like remembering what brought me into the, like made me care about the series in the first place. That was just, you know, important mm-hmm. to me to mention. 
So number two, what you got, bro? Well, I mentioned it before, but the just the cruelty of, of this show, and it seems weird to say, but I, I like dark, edgy shows, and and this is one of the edgiest, and it was, you know, there was a few things in this episode. Right off the bat, the White Walker beheads one of the Night Watchmen, Sir Waymar. Right. It's like, oh, fuck. And then we Very see grim. Ned, the hero, beheading a guy. That's like, whoa, in, grim. In pretty intense. <laughs> yeah, that's grim. And then, and then, um, Jamie pushing Bran out the window and also something I'd forgotten is Drogo raped Danny. Right. Right. Yeah. And that, that's something that, um, where I feel like, uh, the showrunners kind of fucked up. Cause from what I'll bring another thing from the book, from what I understand that did not happen in the book. Um, I think I read it. Yeah, back I mean, then. it's, I think, it's I th- a little bit less rapey the way it's portrayed in the book for sure. Like it's, it's more willing. Yeah. Um, well, that's, she like, that's she like ceremonially, <laughs> I mean, more willing, yeah. like she didn't necessarily like scream and try to prevent it in this case, but like it was, she wasn't resisting too hard. Like she was kind of playing the part still felt rapey. Um, but it's much yeah, less it. so in the books. Yeah. And this like one, they, it she's, was like, uh, she, she was not into it at all. It just, yeah. In the books, at least she's like, down and, ugh. yeah, she's like ceremoniously removing the, the bells from his hair and like, they're preparing for it. And it's, it seems much more consensual mm-hmm. <laughs> for sure. And yeah, that, that's such a, um, such touchy subject to go at this series has had a lot of rape early on well into it. And, um, you know, I think George R. R. Martin said, well, that's kind of what women had to deal with back then. And we're, we're well in the period that this kind of models itself after. And so we're portraying yeah, the reality of it, but I do feel like it got, uh, gratuitous. Um, but it's another example of how the show is just really harsh and cruel. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, very, uh, very cruel. And that it's interesting that you and I both like that aspect of it, that we're drawn to the darkness I mean, of I think it. Anyone um, who watches this show likes that, whether they know it or not. <laughs> absolutely. Like, I was just going to draw your bullshit. By that. <laughs> well, why do you keep watching? Like, you, were, you know, why don't you go watch the Garden Channel or something? Right. <laughs> I was just going to draw a parallel between us and Bran, you know, who after he's paralyzed and old Nan's te- like offering to tell him about all these fabled knights and princes. And he's like, I don't care about that. And he's like, Oh, she's like, Oh, you want to hear the dark stories? Yeah. The, yeah. The winter that lasts for a lifetime and children born and die all in darkness. You like that kind of story. <laughs> don't you brand? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's us. You know, that's, yeah. that's the audience for this totally. show. <laughs> but you know, I mean, I, I, I actually really like that the series has come around now and letting good things happen to the characters. Cause you can yeah, only totally. take so much, you know, I want, um, variation in the storytelling and I want uh, good people to win sometimes <laughs> we know like so. we've seen them go through so much that these yeah. characters do deserve something good and to happen so, so good finally to see them yeah good things yeah, happen for like John you can Snow get a little bit of payoff before mm-hmm. a brutal heartbreaking season eight that ends <laughs> on a bittersweet <laughs> note that makes us all want to kill ourselves ruling all of Westeros <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then the spinoff will be um, White Walkers go to Essos right yeah. <laughs> suicide rate have skyrocketed this year after the the series finale of Game of Thrones. (laughs) Winter has come. George R. R. Martin is laughing in his ranch in New Mexico. (laughs) Did you see it yet? No, I have not. Uh, I never saw the original one either. Well, it doesn't matter, but this is a good one. I think you'll like it. 
Nice. I, yeah, I'm I'm definitely not afraid of clowns like mm-hmm. other people are, so I will be willing to watch this movie and <laughs> Yeah, it looks fun. You're all uh, that's it for your number 2? Yep. All right, my number 2 was seeing Robert and Ned, which I was just thinking, man, I miss these guys, you know, and knowing where we are now in the story with the the great war beginning and and the the night king having a dragon and trying to marshal the forces of humanity against the forces of undead and darkness i'm just thinking watching this episode like what would how would it be different if ned and robert were still alive they were such a powerful military duo back in the day like it would be such an asset to have these wizened old older you know characters to play a role in this in this fight that's coming but yeah. that's what makes it so fun also is that we we the mentors are gone mm-hmm. you know our characters are freewheeling and trying to learn on the fly it's like star wars developing a little bit into their, and, oh yeah and the and hero's journey and mm-hmm. yeah you're meant yeah meant the mentor look up uh, where that word comes from <laughs> and it's you know relates to exactly that um but uh yeah it's just so cool like seeing these guys that i i love King Robert, such a funny character, man. And Mark Addy that plays him, I think it's just great, great casting. And everybody loves Ned for the most part, you know? So oh, some people don't, I mean, they probably think he's just too stupid, right? Yeah. 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 People criticize him for being too, too noble. And yeah, you know, I see that. Um, John's the same way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Which we, which he said outright in the last episode to air, uh, this, you know, the finale, Sam like Ned, Sam like my father, that it's got him killed. Yeah, fine, I don't care. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Which is cool. So it's just after, especially after hearing Ned brought up so much in the season finale and he's, his ghost has been so present with the, the, the reawakening of the Theon character who realizes that Ned is still a part of him and that he's a Stark as well as a Greyjoy and with, with John standing up for, for Ned in the last episode and, and following in his footsteps, telling the truth and just being an honorable person. It's, it's just, it makes it mean even more to see Ned now knowing what an influence his, his, his character had on these, these characters that we're still experiencing now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, yeah, I was just thinking this is the perfect time. I'm, I'm loving this conversation and this is the perfect time to do this, to go back. The rewatch. If you'd waited until after uh, season eight, it would have been fine. But right now it's just, we're still looking forward to more of the series, but we have most of it behind us to reflect on. So I think it's right. This is the perfect time. That's <laughs> what I was thinking too. That's why I suggested it. I was like, Oh man, if ever we're going to do a rewatch right, right now is the perfect time. Yeah. The number of weeks that we have in, until the uh, the next season lines up pretty well, like just the fact that, that so much hype is going to build before the next season. Like right now is when people are going to be be doing their rewatches and and getting into it and 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 refreshing themselves for the final season. Um, it's a perfect time to to do it. Um, but yeah, like all these these Ned and Robert moments, going down into the crypt, seeing Liana's statue seeing Robert place the feather that we see later on when, when Littlefinger and Sansa are down in the crypt and she picks up the feather. Um, oh, I didn't remember that. Yeah, so cool, man. All these little nods that they've done. Um, just the the idea that the, 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 the Baratheon and Stark houses would be joined. You know, Ned, Ned and Robert are talking and he says, you know, we were supposed to rule together, Ned. If, if Lyanna had lived, we'd be bound by blood, you know, but it's not too late. 
I have a I have a son, you have a daughter. We can still join our houses and let's go. And they like walk out of the crypt. But that makes me think of, you know, they still each have a son and a daughter. If you think about it, you know, Gendry is is Robert's <laughs> son. Ned has Arya, who's who's who knows Gendry. Coincidentally, I think that these houses may end up being joined. Uh, I could see and that, that yeah. Gendry would be legitimized by John mm-hmm. in honor of the relationship that their their parents had. Mm-hmm. I think that John will restore this great house that's been lost to the to the annals of time. All the Baratheons are dead at this point, except for Gendry, mm-hmm. who's so that who's will Baratheon happen um, before the final episode when they all die. Yeah, 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 hopefully. <laughs> Just before. Okay. <laughs> before those houses are extinguished again. <laughs> It'd be great. I wouldn't even really be mad if that happened. It'd be so ballsy. I know. You know, that I'd respect it. It would be pretty crazy. It would be crazy. <laughs> Just sadistic enough for I John mean, or George R. R. Martin. George is like, because George Martin said, well, it's going to be a bittersweet ending if you've watched this show. And then everybody dies and we're like, you said it would be bittersweet. And he's all, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, totally. That's just kind of um, bitter, George. Yeah, just, just, just bitter, man. It's just, you forgot the sweet, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, I, I thought seeing like the, 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 um, the joking, like japing, um, you know, semi antagonistic um, relationship that between, um, but playful between John and or Rob, Robert and Ned. You know, you've got fat and like the the way that they criticize each other, but just laugh about it. And it's you know like like uh, the way brothers do or good friends, you know, breaking each other's balls type thing. Mm-hmm. It was cool seeing this and them doing it here because it reminded me of John meeting Gendry. You know, mm-hmm. and like yeah. and the same type of thing where it's like you, you're, you're slimmer than your father <laughs> referencing how he got fat, you know, and then I'm saying Gendry saying that, you, that he's shorter, uh, he's shorter than mm-hmm. Ned and him taking it as a criticism. It, at least it looks like that at first. There's a moment where you don't know how he's going to react, mm-hmm. but then he starts laughing and it's the same way that That's the tension right, was yeah. destroyed right, you know, yeah. at this moment like in this that. show. So, so cool. I love these throwbacks and similar vibes and feels mm-hmm. and reflections and echoes and things yeah it's just great man like they're 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 doing a really really good job with being true to the series i think and 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 giving us these echoes and these moments to harken back to the old days um and so many of them it's just like an added bonus (laughs) some layer of depth that i think is really i i really appreciate that element Mm -hmm. of this like the later episodes for sure Mm mm-hmm but yeah, the, yeah. So that's my number two, Robert and Ned. Love these guys. Great to see them again. Okay, my number one. I've been trying to. Um, so I, I was thinking, you know, about differences between the show in the show from the beginning to now, and trying to see if the quality has changed much. I already talked about the dialogue, which I think is pretty pretty similar. The pacing. Now I noticed it only took. King Robert half an episode to get to King's Landing and they Cersei says we've been riding for a month but they just zip right to it and I'm like oh maybe you know people's complaints about the pacing of season seven are a bit misplaced because they were already doing stuff like that in the very first episode but then again it's the end of the episode and they're still there whereas now they probably would have been to like two or three other places within the episode. I think that's partially <laughs> reflecting though um, like the lack of source material A that they don't have as much information about the journeys so they're not showing the journeys as much 
Um, but yeah, it didn't, yeah. didn't I mean, ring untrue to me at all. Whatever the reason I, is, yeah. Like they've established that it takes time. Uh, they just don't show a lot of the stuff. They'll yeah. show us all the important just, beats and skip it, the travel. It feels, yeah, it just feels, you know, faster paced now. But I, I just thought it was interesting oh, because a lot of that is about the travel. And even in this episode, they don't bother showing that travel because it wouldn't be interesting to watch it. So, yeah, yeah. we do see more of the travel heading south, though, on the King's Road, which is interesting. Like there are points in the series where, where they we do dwell see on travel. that stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah. They do. I'll yeah. be watching so, that. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, and then just one other thing is, of course, everybody looks younger and especially the kids because they look like kids. And, and Brandon says he's 10 and Sansa says she's only 13. And now she would be like 20 or something or 19. Yep. <laughs> yeah, something uh, like that. But I thought Jamie, especially of the adults, looked a lot younger. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I agree. Um, now you can see like a band of like whitish hair coming around in his mm-hmm. head. Um, he has longer in later hair episodes. And just seems like yeah. a rapscallion. Now he seems a little bit like a grizzled veteran. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like the the longer hair look on Jamie. I think it mm-hmm. works well with that character. <laughs> and it's more like it references the books more. He's got the golden locks, you know, like the Lannister traits. Yeah. Another, and it's interesting, Tyrion's kind of blonde here, too. Another, Yeah, more than now, huh? Another thing yeah. <laughs> about, uh, he used to dye his hair, but another thing about Jamie is that during the, you know, right before he pushed uh, Bran out, you know, with all what we've seen of him since then, where we've come to know him and, and like him more and see that he's got noble characteristics uh, and that he, his big flaw is that he's just so tied up in his sister who's more fucked up than he is, you know, yep. that you can see that her pushing Cersei's him. really the one who's like, he yeah. saw us and you can't exactly. Yeah. She's the one who goaded him into doing it and he does it. And he says the things you do for love, which is exactly why he's doing it because he loves his sister. Otherwise he would not have done that. Uh, I, yeah, I'm trying to make excuses for him because I, I like him now. It's still a horrible thing. But, you know, you see it in a different light now. That's all. Knowing the context more. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like we know that he saved King's Landing. We know that he has honor, mm-hmm. but that he's swept up with his sister. Like you're saying, like I got the same vibe rewatching it now. And mm-hmm. for the first time noticing that. Because when you first really watch it, it, it's like that guy is fucked. <laughs> That's yeah. all you think. <laughs> but now rewatching it, it's like yeah. he saw us. Did you hear me? He saw us, mm-hmm. you know. So, Hint, kill him. Right, exactly, yeah. So uh, and he's like, number, even he's uh, struggling with it, asking him his age, you know. Yeah. Um, like, he's yeah, he's struggling to deal with it. He can't even look at him when he does it. You know, he's looking at Cersei for that strength to do it. Right. The things that but, I do for love. You know, uh, Devil's Advocate, it wasn't that hard. <laughs> no, it wasn't that hard. Um, people, then again, he's trying to play it off, I think. Maybe, yeah. He's, you know, as part of his character is always being cool and collected. And, yeah. But yeah, great point. Great point. So my number one, <laughs> don't even have to change topic topics, it's Bran's fall, which, as we talked about, was a total shocker for me the first time watching this. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if I hadn't liked the show enough already, which I had, Within 30 seconds, like everything about the show I loved, just the fact that they did this at the end drew me even more in. I was like, wow, this game, this show is, they're, they're playing for keeps, you know, mm-hmm. like this is serious. Uh, yeah, it's like, it's just for me, it's like, shocking no, moment. God damn it. And then, well, I got to watch and see what happens next time now for sure. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, me too. I loved Bran, the character, and I yeah. was horrified 
and just drawn in even more yeah, by that. Absolutely. That it made me feel like that. It was just like something that the show has done so powerfully. It's evokes emotions and feelings. And it, that was uh, the first time that that really like something really hit me on this show was that moment. And it, that strength, it's just, I knew that the show had power at that point. And like we were saying, it's, it's an, it's interesting moment for Jamie First of all, you know, there's a few shocking things that happened in that moment. The brand's fall was a shocker. The revelation of the incest was a shocker. I've been pointing out right. that they've been mentioning repeatedly throughout the episode that they're a brother and sister with Jamie first appears, mm-hmm. you know, as your brother. And then Arya pointing yeah, out it was that's very clear. Jamie. The, yeah, <laughs> we know they're brother and sister at this point. And so that was what they, you know, one thing they fixed from the first pilot. So it's really like impactful moment when we see that them having sex here. We're like, what the fuck is going yeah. on? Like, and they don't reveal it's her for like a minute. Crazy. So you're just like, Oh yeah, another sex scene. But then, yeah. And oh, what? Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. They're kind of hiding. She's bent over and you can't see her sort of mirroring the, the, the Danny scene. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interestingly. Um, and also the death quote celebration, the wedding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a dull affair unless uh, three people are killed at a Dothraki wedding. Um, <laughs> for, for sure. That's, and at that moment, I have I have uh, like a few things written down about that too. Like that was crazy. And then when Jorah tells Danny, "There is no word in Dothraki for thank you," you know, I was like, I just wrote down hardcore. Like that's fucking hardcore, man. That that's what I like about this show is elements of that are just so hardcore. Like it yeah. goes ha- really hard in yeah. a lot of different ways. Um, yeah, the incest was shocking, and then the uh, just the, that moment, you know, quite the little climber, aren't you? How old are you, boy? Ten. <laughs> Ten. Then he turns back to Cersei. The things I do for love and pushes pushes him out are just like, oh my god! Like it makes you feel for him even for Bran even more the fact that they just pointed out that he's he's ten years old. Like he's snuffing out. An, an existence that's taken 10 years to develop and he's skilled and he's, you know, at least at climbing, not so much at archery, but you know, he's his own person. He's got a relationship with his dog and he's, he's growing and becoming really good at stuff. And it's just so tragic t- that they point out his age. I feel, th- I feel like right before they killed him, just made it, just made it rubbed it in even more. You know what, what Jamie did at that moment, just is horrible. That definitely hooked me. For sure. I mean, I was already hooked, like I said, but I, there's no way I was going to stop watching after that finale, after that, um, you know, that finale of that moment, this episode. Yep. Yeah. And it's important, like we mentioned also, that they did that this episode because it, <laughs> otherwise everybody would have stopped watching after Ned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. After Baylor. It still shocked me. I mean, I was like, okay, how's he going to get out of this? And then who Ned? Yeah. And then, Oh yeah, me too. Absolutely. That's the moment when you realized (laughs) that they were like that, that first episode with brand, that was just the foreshadowing bracing, bracing us for this. Like, yeah, I even, even after brands fall, he lived. So, yeah. So there was, you know, we weren't, we weren't like fully enveloped in the, in how hardcore the show gets. It's Ned's death that tells us that you better watch your fucking back. Like, don't get too attached to anybody, bro. Yeah. And Um, then there's the Red Wedding, (laughs) which is a whole nother level of... (laughs) Whole nother level. Like, oh, you thought it was bad killing a 10-year-old? Let's stab a fetus repeatedly. (laughs) Oh, my God, Uh, dude. Oh, man. What do you got? Anything else for notes you want to mention? Yeah, a couple. Um, I just wondered if you had an idea 
what got the mama direwolf killed? Oh, the direwolf um, was killed fighting the stag. Okay, because they pulled out like, some. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So glad you mentioned that because um, this is really important. The direwolf had the stag's antler sticking out of it. And Ned bends over and says, tough old girl, and pulls out the stag's antler. And it's foreshadowing the relationship between direwolf and stag leading to the deaths of direwolf and stag. So for anybody who hasn't already picked this up, you know, Ned is the direwolf. Robert is the stag. Their interaction and coming together foreshadows (laughs) both of their deaths this same season. Right. Which is like our first little bit of it's not epic foreshadowing. Not all that show. subtle, but I still like it. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I thought it was, yeah. I mean, definitely it's on the nose. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially once you, once you learn the house sigils, it's not apparent yeah, at first right, because of you course don't not. know yeah, yeah. immediately. But then someone the, does say, yeah, the wolf is the sigil and that's the dire wolf is the sigil. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, um, it's, it's John who says that. And then, uh, I liked when, um, Viserys noted that Khal Drogo has never been defeated in combat because on the board yeah. on the Facebook group the other day we were talking about who uh, would you choose for your uh, fighter if you had a trial by combat and there were a few choices Ooh. and you know really what it came down to for me was would I pick the mountain or would I pick Khal Drogo and I think I might pick Khal Drogo because we've seen the mountain be all but defeated in his fight with Oberyn I mean if Oberyn just hadn't been so cocky he would have defeated the mountain right but um we never saw Khal Drogo get defeated enough in a straight up fight but then again the only reason that the viper came that close was because of his chosen weapons and tactics he was using something with very long reach so he could tickle the mountain from a distance and stay away from his sword range uh-huh. with drogo he He's would be using the arak yeah the, yeah the eric and he would be fully within the mountain's striking range which is extremely dangerous dangerous right. although he is also very large himself so it, i mean it's it's a All great right. question I that you've um, just uh Clint really Eastwood good question. As, <laughs> You're lucky punk. as my fighter. <laughs> I'll pick Darth Vader. Uh, <laughs> Clint Eastwood That's versus awesome. Darth Vader. I'd never even considered the the possibility of nominating Khal Drogo in under the circumstance of a trial by combat. So you just kind of blew my mind by <laughs> suggesting that, which is so cool. It's awesome. So that's all I got. For your notes? Yeah. Oh man, I've got just how, how true to the series this episode is, is really cool. There's only one thing that's really any different from the books at all, um, which is not, I wouldn't even consider it a, a spoiler. It's just that Catelyn is being discouraging of Ned to go down south, whereas in the books she's, she's uh, encouraging him to, to head south. Mm, that's intriguing. I want to know why, but I don't want you to tell me right now. Right. <laughs> um so many cool things just seeing ice for the first time again stopped me dead in my tracks because that was one of the other things that i thought was amazing about the series at first was just how huge this fucking sword was (laughs) when we you know when we first see it it just made a huge impact um for me just watching it because i love blades i don't know i'm weird oh that's cool um i liked seeing him cleaning ice in the godswood again and having uh, catelyn show up to give him the news of John Aaron's death. Um, the, the sense of mystery that this episode imparts with the, the white walkers from the North and the, 
you know, not really knowing what's going on and having nobody believe the deserter mm-hmm. and then had the, the sudden appearance of direwolves south of the wall again sort of adds this this sense of intrigue and mystery, like there's something going on. Yeah, and this sets up the two kind of parallel storylines of the series. There's the political intrigue and the uh, Machiavellian plot lines about the throne, getting the throne, and there's the arrival of the White Walkers. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. both very, uh, very present in mm-hmm. this episode. Um, but yeah, that sense of mystery and intrigue just had me just drooling, <laughs> wondering what was going on. You know, I liked uh, Illyrio Mopatis whispering in Viserys' ear, they drink secret toasts to your health. They cry out for their true king, talking about the people of Westeros and how Danny recently had recognized or had mentioned that telling Varys, like, listen, I didn't fall for that bullshit when Illyrio was telling that to my brother. So don't be pulling that shit on me. And I was watching it this time. You could see her watching Illyrio talk to Viserys and tell him all this. And so you could see her processing it and realizing, you know, or at least putting it to memory so she could either mm-hmm. realize in the future that it was bullshit or potentially realizing now that it was bullshit. Yeah. So that was cool. Um, I thought it was interesting Benjen coming to Ned and t- talking about the deserter and Ned saying like, oh, could you believe it? He, he mentioned the White Walkers claimed that he saw the, that the White Walkers killed his friends. And Benjen's like, well, you know, the two other guys haven't come back yet. They're still missing. Um, so Benjen right off the bat is, is not discounting mm-hmm. the possibility of White Walkers, which kind of, you know, I think Ned's sort of taken aback by that. Um, he be- certainly becomes more thoughtful of it, but he, you know, he's being taken down to the South. Yep. So away it's from just it. not something that he can focus mm-hmm. on, but it's interesting that, you know, the position of the night's watch is not so solid on the fact that the, the white walkers, um, are not no longer in existence. Another cool thing was when Jamie and Ned square off and N- Jamie's being very aggressive towards Ned and it's it's a, sort of the reversal of what happened previously. We know that when King, when Robert took the throne, that um, Tywin took the city, and the first person to get into the throne room afterwards was Ned Stark, who walked in with his soldiers and saw Jamie sitting on the Iron Throne. Hmm. And Jamie got down from the throne and said, "Oh, I was just keeping it warm for you, Lord Stark," you know, and submitted to Lord Stark. All he had to do was sit. You know, and not give up that spot, and mm-hmm. he could have theoretically been king because mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't known who was going to be king at the time. Just that they were getting rid of the Targaryens. Essentially, mm-hmm. we had Lannisters working with Baratheons, working with Starks, and it was Robert who emerged as yeah. the leader. And when afterwards. Robert's saying to Ned, "You know, I need you to take to run this kingdom so I can drink and eat and whore," I was like, "Myself to an early grave." Yeah, <laughs> and, and that's this show sort of signifying you know, falsely, but if you are used to traditional narratives, it's like, okay, Ned's the hero and he's going to overcome a lot of challenges to become the king. And and that also everybody watching is expecting that. Yeah. HBO (laughs) advertisements showing Ned sitting in the throne with uh, the sword win or you die. And it's like, Oh, he he died. (laughs) Yeah. And and they're they're, It's great advertising too. They're making you think that he's, gonna win yeah when in yeah. fact they're 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 setting you up for his death right that's great genius uh, totally 
So funny, man. Um, so yeah, I loved I loved seeing that whole thing um, with Jamie and Ned talking there, and and Jamie is goading him and like saying, "Well, why don't why didn't you ever do tournaments, huh, huh?" And he's like, Ned responds, "Well, I don't fight in tournaments because when I fight a man for real, I don't want him to know what I can do." And that kind of shuts Jamie up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like touche. It's like even <laughs> says like, "Oh, well said, Lord Stark." You know, <laughs> but I thought that was really cool because, like we've talked about with the White Walkers, you don't want to give away your tactical advantage. And Ned is smart by not fighting in in tournaments and melees like all these other guys. He's keeping his skills under wrap, which gives him a tactical advantage because dudes won't even know what style moves he'll be throwing. Mm-hmm. You know, which is awesome. But he'll have all the information on all the other fighters. <laughs> So really smart. Or you could like be in a tournament and only do half your moves. Yeah, but we saw how well that worked out for Conor McGregor. Which one? The, uh, he's, a, he's a UFC guy, oh. like UFC champion who decided to throw himself into the boxing ring recently with, with right. Floyd Mayweather, which limited his skill set to a boxing tactics. Oh, and yeah, he ended up yeah, losing. Yeah. Whereas if, with a, like fully unleashed, he would have. You know, totally decimated Mayweather. Um, I'm assuming as as mixed martial arts is just um, by by definition superior to limited skill set of boxing. Um, it just encompasses more, and I don't think it's really debatable. Oh, there's another great moment which I thought was really funny, which is just worth mentioning between <laughs> Tyrion and the Hound. Do you remember that moment this episode? No, their interaction. Yeah, it, it's something that flew past me when I, I watched it, the re- episode originally, and even on subsequent viewings. But it stuck out to me for some reason now. And uh, Tyrion is sitting down, and it's the night after the banquet, and he's obviously super hungover. And he's like, "Oh!" And the Hound sits next to him and says, "Rough night, imp." And, T- and Tyrion says, "If I get through this without squirting from one end or the other, it'll be a miracle," which cracked me up. But uh, then the hound's uh, he's gonna be—he's getting ready to go on the hunt, is what Tyrion is talking about. And the hound says, "Never pegged you for a hunter." And Tyrion blase sort of responds, "Best in the land, my spear never misses." <laughs> Obviously referring to his his forays with prostitution or prostitutes. And uh, the the hound has a great response: "It's not hunting if you pay for it." <laughs> it's, it's just a small moment that I never really picked up on before that stuck out to me for some reason now. Figured I'd mention it. That's, now, that's pretty much all I got for notes. Okay. Yeah, just cool. All this good stuff, man. Love this episode. Yep. All right. So we'll take a break with that, and uh, there's more to come. So stay with us, everybody. Woo! Let's jump into some news about Game of Thrones. You start, Jason. Okay. First thing from Vulture, uh, Game of Thrones Tormund is committed to ogling Brienne on and off camera. 
So Tormund and Brienne are the best Game of Thrones ship for many reasons, partially because there's no incest involved. I'm not sure if that was in the article or just f- uh, an added comment I, from... I think the, this is summarizing <laughs> the article. Uh, but mostly the actors playing them are having so much fun. And in an interview on Late Night, Gwendolyn Christie, who plays Brienne, explained that Christopher... How do you say his last name? Hivju decided to stay in character as Tormund Giant Spain even when filming stopped, which gave him the opportunity to give her kooky stares while doing normal things like eating sandwiches and, quote, masticating wildly at me. (laughs) 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 He just seems like such a good guy from his kookiness on social media playing with little dolls of of Tormund and Brienne and stuff like that. Having him kiss and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He seems like an awesome guy. And a shout out to Lisa, our listener, Lisa Moreno for helping us with news for us. Thank week. you. Yeah. yeah. Great story. I was, mm-hmm. I'm so glad that I know that now that he's been <laughs> off, off, off right. camera. He's eyeing her up. It's hilarious. <laughs> our next article is from Nerdist and it's about Robert Baratheon totally brick predicted, <laughs> predicted, predicted Game <laughs> of Thrones future. The recent, Recently concluded seventh season of Game of Thrones neatly set up the series Endgame while finally delivering the long-delayed homecoming of Daenerys Targaryen. As it turns out, these events were foreshadowed all the way back in the first season by King Robert Baratheon, the man who killed Daenerys' brother Rhaegar in battle and took the crown during Robert's rebellion. Now, a supercut has compiled Robert's dire warnings and predictions alongside clips from season six and seven where the events came to pass. Although Robert believed that Daenerys' older brother Viserys would be the primary threat to his throne, he correctly realized that Daenerys' marriage to Khal Drogo meant that the Dothraki horde would finally have a reason to cross the narrow sea into Westeros. And as Jaime Lannister discovered the hard way, it's a huge mistake to fight the Dothraki in the open and field. Even without her dragons, Daenerys' forces outmatched the Lannister army. And I think Robert, or someone even says, only a fool would fight the Dothraki in open combat oh, wow. in the open field. I think it was uh, its next episode, possibly, Robert saying that. So, another thing that Robert couldn't have foreseen is that his friend Ned Stark protected Jon Sn- Snow, the true heir to the Iron Throne. But the most in- intriguing question is whether Robert realized that Jon's parents, Rhaegar Targaryen and Lyanna Stark, truly loved each other, as Lyanna's, ab- quote, abduction by Rhaegar was one of the reasons that his rebellion was started. Robert clearly had feelings for Lyanna, and she been, had been promised to him before the war. Was Robert's Rebellion the story of a man on a personal quest of revenge against the Targaryen family for Rhaegar stealing the woman he loved? Sure feels that way. Yes, I would say it was. Yeah. That kicked Seems it well, off. Yeah, there's, uh, there's, there was one thing that was that. There was also the fact that Rhaegar, or that Mad King Ares had summoned for... Um, for Ned and and uh, Robert to be sent to court, and the the rebellion actually started when John Aaron called his banners and refused to send Ned Stark south to the king. Right. So that's what started the war technically, mm-hmm. but it it ended up being largely. I mean, the whole thing, the conflict started because of Rhaegar and Lyanna. Mm-hmm. So that that sort of what the history books painted as being the the uh, major cause during the war as well next on av club uh everyone gets the death they just 
they deserve on Game of Thrones. Fans of the show are quick to tell you that one of the many reasons HBO's Game of Thrones remains such an enticing watch is the fact that you never know how or when a character is going to die. Starting with the first season sudden decapitation of principal character Ned Stark, the series took a cue from George R.R. Martin's series of books and let it be known that no one, with the exception of a few characters with fairly bulletproof plot armor, is safe. But in a recent Reddit post, one fan noticed a pattern that's emerged in the many shows major deaths that could offer some insight as to how the remaining characters will eventually bite the bullet. Ned Stark used his great sword ice to behead the Night's Watchman. He was beheaded with his own sword. Joffrey gave the command to execute Ned. He was killed in a way that took away his ability to speak. I reached pretty far for this one, I'll admit. <laughs> uh, Tywin ordered the Red Wedding, where numerous Stark men were killed by crossbow-wielding musicians. He was killed by a crossbow. Roose Bolton killed Rob <laughs> Stark with a knife to the heart. He was killed by a knife to the heart. Walder Frey ordered Catelyn Stark's throat cut at the end of the Red Wedding. He had his throat cut by Arya. Ramsay Bolton was fond of feeding people to his hounds. He was fed to his own hounds. The Sand Snakes were each killed in a way that mirrored their own style. Nymeria was strangled by her own whip. Obara was impaled with her own spear. And Tyene was killed by her favorite poison. Wow, I didn't notice that. That's that's wow. pretty cool. Oh, yeah, that's really good. Elena Tyrell killed Joffrey with poison. She was executed with poison. Littlefinger betrayed Ned Stark by putting a knife to his throat, and the Valerian cat's paw dagger was used in the attempt to have Bran Stark assassinated, which he intentionally blamed on the Lannisters, sparking the Lannister shark conflict. He was executed by having his throat cut by the Valerian cat's paw dagger. Not convinced? Here's a few more from the comments section. John killing his Night Watch brother, Corin Halfhand. He was later killed by his Night Watch brothers. Egret killed many people with arrows. She was killed with an arrow. Polliver killed what the fuck salami with needle through the throat. Arya <laughs> killed what the fuck salami. <laughs> what is that? Lamy was his name. Oh, okay, uh, his name is Lamy Greenhands. Oh, yeah. And there's a moment before uh, before the hound goes to eat every fucking chicken in this room. With Arya, before they enter the the building, they're kind of lurking in the woods. It's funny the hound's face is perfectly visible in a hole in the in the trees, and Arya's face is perfectly visible. And she sees that he, this guy had that um, Polliver has needle, and she's like, she's like that guy killed Lamy. He has needle. And the hound goes, what the fuck's a Lamy? Oh, got it, got it. <laughs> That's what that was referencing. <laughs> so, uh, and then, you know, Polliver was killed, in, Arya killed Polliver with Needle. Uh, Lysa oh, Arryn loved throwing people through the moon door. She was shoved through the moon door. This is amazing. Yep. I love this. The one true king, so Stannis the Manus, killed his brother by way of his female assistant. He was later killed by his brother's female assistant. Oh, <laughs> snap. <laughs> Lastly, Tywin gave Tyrion shit his entire life literally making him in charge of all the sewers of casterly rock Ty Tyrion then killed him <laughs> on the shitter <laughs> that's good I, I feel like this Damn. is all intentional um, while the original author of the post admits to reaching for a few of these connections it's hard to argue that there's a certain amount of poetic justice being dispensed in Westeros and this um, is why George R. Martin Martin is the best writer of all yeah. time. Especially when it comes to like sick and twisted stuff like this. <laughs> yeah. Um, that Karma. combined with just the amount of stuff that he encodes into his um, into his stuff, like in his it's work, incredible. Is just insane yeah. to me. It's incredible. All right. Our next article is from Polygon. 
and it's titled, Here's Why Game of Thrones is Ineligible for an Emmy for the First Time in Six Years. What? Those time restrictions are no joke. This year is big for genre television at the Emmys, including first-time nominees Stranger Things and Westworld, but one series is notably absent, Game of Thrones. Ever since Game of Thrones first debuted in 2011, the show has been nominated every single year. This sometimes meant the show was merely honored with nominations, while other years saw the series lavished by the voting body of Academy members winning award after award. So, why? It all comes down to timing. Game of Thrones' seventh season premiered on July 16th, 2017. Its sixth season premiered on April 26th, 2016. In order to be considered for a 2017 Emmy nomination, shows had to have premiered between June 1st and May 31st, 2017. So even though Game of Thrones' sixth season still had episodes air within those particular dates, the Academy does not count the, quote, hanging episodes. Those final four episodes of the sixth season are therefore invalid. So it's basically because of a, like a technicality in terms of the timing of the premiere of the series or the season this year that they're being oh, I get dis- it. disincluded yeah. for the 2017 so Emmys. All the, so I guess um, I'll just episodes, have to win everything next year. Yeah, this all the episodes we saw this season count towards next year, huh? Right, yeah. So yeah. the article continues, Game of Thrones' seventh season will therefore be eligible for a 2018 Emmy okay. and will probably secure more than a few nominations. Yeah, for I mean, if they categories. were discounted altogether, that would be one thing, but they just delayed. Yep, yeah, exactly. That would be brutal if they were just totally disqualified. Mm-hmm. Totally unfair. Um, yeah, so we can at least still look forward to uh, them sweeping the floor with all the other shows <laughs> in the, uh, the 2018 Emmys. And our final article is from comicbook.com, and it's that the Simpsons season premiere will feature a Game of Thrones homage. It might be a long while until Game of Thrones returns to television screens, but fans can soon feel the series' influence on an upcoming episode of The Simpsons. Executive producer Al Jean recently teased that The Simpsons' upcoming 29th season, including a Game of Thrones homage in the season premiere. Um, according to TV Line... The scene will feature a guest voice by Nikolai Coster Waldo, who will play who plays Game of Thrones fan or fan favorite Jamie Lannister, obviously. While details were scarce about the scene, Gene hinted that Coster Waldo's character will develop, quote, a weird, surprising connection to Marge. So that'll be interesting. I wonder what is going to happen. I know. What you know would be great is if they open it with like a Simpsons version of the opening Game of Thrones title sequence. Yeah. Oh man, that would be so cool. Going around Springfield, the nuclear Springfield, plant, or the whatever. Nuclear plant. Yeah, it's the same thing. Nuclear plant. The school, and mm-hmm. yeah, that'd be awesome. I think it's also worth worth mentioning too. Uh, there was a news article recently that pointed out we had we had reported a number of weeks ago about the num the amount of screen time that characters get and how um, you know who is the technically the main character in terms of who has the most screen time and until recently it had been Tyrion as we reported but apparently Jon Snow has now outmaneuvered oh, Tyrion in terms season, of huh? uh, yeah after season 7 mm-hmm. Jon Snow now has more screen time total than Tyrion so it's he's emerging as our main character yeah interestingly enough and he really is the main character of this series well him and Daenerys i would say yeah, I agree. Now that everything's become clear. All right, so let's move on to Raven's Calls. Ah, 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 ah. 
Okay. Uh, first is Sarah Larkham who says such a great pilot and it really holds up and it's so relevant now because of the season seven finale. It's sad to see all the Starks together. The pilot really kicked off this amazing show. You know, it was real. I did watch this, uh, pilot again, a couple of seasons ago and it was even sadder than because all the Starks were, uh, oh, dead not or separated. back together on the show. Yeah. Now <laughs> that they're kind of back together, it's at least some of them are okay. You know? <laughs> Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Tilly Creary says, I rewatched everything this past spring, and the one thing I absolutely love about this show is how everything that happens in, in every episode is important to something that happens later on in the show. I re- recently rewatched the pilot of The Walking Dead, and exactly zero things that happened in that episode matters to what's happening <laughs> in the series now. <laughs> so true. Not so for Game of Thrones. Every event, every conversation relates to something happening in season seven, and it's just fantastic. You know, there in the first episode of uh, Walking Dead, I remember something about like the zombie apocalypse happening. I think that was relevant later oh. on. Yeah, that might. Yeah, I think that played that some kind of role later something on. into it. Right. <laughs> subtle. It's subtle, <laughs> but no, I'd have to go back and watch and see if there are other little things. But yeah, that's interesting. Um, just, uh, just finding Carl. He's like the only guy that's, <laughs> that's <laughs> then and now. Yeah, and Rick. Yeah, from that. Let's see. The first episode had Morgan and Rick oh, yeah, Morgan and Carl. Uh, did it show the people in the camp, Shane and all them? I don't even remember if it did. It showed Shane for sure. Yeah. Um, the, it must least, have shown um, Lori yeah, and in the flashback to Rick being shot. I think it showed Lori and everybody too. I don't think it showed um, Glenn. No, wait, no, we did. We didn't show him, but we got his voice. Yeah, that's right. At the very hey, end. Asshole. Yeah. Well, he's gone now tank. too. Huh? <laughs> Dang. Anyways, yep. uh, William Steiner says the things I do for love, Jamie Lannister. I remember how much I hated him back then. Now one of my favorite characters. Yep. You and me both brother. I love (laughs) that guy. Now Kristen Howell. Hey, Kristen says episode one kept me from watching more episodes for a long time because of the end of the episode. New mom hormones did not jive with any of it. Ooh, that is understandable. Yeah. Yeah. See, Kristen's one of those people that were like, I don't know about this show. Could say she it. loves it so right much in the now, moment, daddy button. <laughs> Lara, Willie Swink said, probably tied with The Walking Dead for best pilot ever. Though with The Walking Dead, I kind of knew what I was getting into. With Game of Thrones, I thought I was watching a, a historical drama until yeah. a little zombie girl rose up from a slaughtered group <laughs> of villagers. That's so funny. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I was in the same boat. So yeah, I'm, I'm right with you there, Lara. Great comparison. Wendy Ott Eppers says there's a red shirt guy number oh there's red shirt guy number one of two million four hundred sixty one thousand eight hundred ninety (laughs) two becky price says that scene with danny and viserys where he fills her up is the most cringeworthy scene of season one probably yeah right up there with yeah that and uh yeah yeah probably that because it was the first exposure we had to the full creepiness of incest and uh, Viserys on this show. Yeah, creepy. Yeah, it's hard to argue against that. Rima Joe, Rima Joe, Rima Joe, Rima Joe <laughs> says, "Is there anyone more creepy than Viserys Targaryen?" Ugh. Uh, is Ramsay creepier? 
He's, I, uh, I think he's worse for sure. He's worse, yeah. but creepier. creepier? I, don't I don't think know. so. But Sirius is fucking it's, creepy. Yeah, you just want to <laughs> punch him in the face. Yeah, he's creepy. <laughs> and They're that's both why creepy. later on, when Rhaegar turns out to have looked a lot like Viserys, and people are like, "Why did they make Rhaegar so ugly?" And I'm like, "You know what? Those guys aren't actually ugly, but we just think of them that way because of how fucked up Viserys was." Viserys. And yeah, <laughs> I don't think he's a bad looking guy, but he just seems like it now. Yeah, yeah. Looking, watching this episode, I was like, you know, he's actually a pretty handsome dude. Um, <laughs> after like, here you know, the whole Rhaegar thing, where the people were up in arms about that. That was the other thing that we forgot to mention too, is that seeing Rhaeg- or seeing Viserys now, it's apparent after having seen Rhaegar at how much he was like just totally biting off Rhaegar's style and everything. Right. Which is, uh, <laughs> that's, which that's is so funny. funny. <laughs> uh, um, all right, we got an email, and uh, it's your turn. This is Karen from London. One, everyone commenting on the incest thing need to fully realize that one fifth of the world still practices consanguinous marriage. Uh, she gives a link to an article on it. There are actually consanguinous, consanguinous counselors. Yeah. That's interesting. One fifth of the world. Two, wow, yeah. I actually think uh, regarding the reveal, the hardest thing for John will be coming to realize Ned lies to him, has lied to him his whole life. He was an outsider who felt less with no explanation. He'll understand why, but possibly not why Ned wouldn't tell him at least. Oh, and that's so sad. I wonder I if really that'll play it into it. Yeah. His, yeah. His thoughts on Ned. I hope he doesn't hate him or something. Right. I, I don't think so. I mean, yeah, I hope the pace not. is so quick. He'll just maybe have a thought about it and it'll be done. Yeah, <laughs> uh, three. Could it be possible that Jamie will not die? Will he kill Cersei, John and Danny have to sacrifice themselves and a triumvirate like Jamie, Tyrion and Sansa have to rise, raise the child that they have. So I guess that means raise John and Tan- Danny's child. Even if the en- yeah. enemy is vanquished and the wheel broken, people in general wouldn't want quote, rightful heirs in power, at least for some time, this would bring all the warring factions together to rule as a regent body, perhaps a precursor to at least a parliamentary monarch type system. Hmm, interesting. And they yeah. could be referring to Danny and John's child or Jamie and Cersei's child. Oh, oh, that's probably what it is. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. This sounds weird to say, but I wouldn't be surprised if the ending of this is, um, is, uh, totally not what we're thinking you know it's something yeah out of left field oh, like that i'm expecting the unexpected for yeah sure. that's yeah that's what i'm trying to say yeah <laughs> for I, I hope so i thought the scene with the snow beginning to fall over king's landing was stunning this is uh the, the season seven finale it wouldn't have been epic but i wouldn't have minded the episode ending with it swamped around with the wall scene so she she's saying oh, yeah swapped around with that swapped around yeah with the wall scene yeah, that would have been interesting. Yeah, um, I, I could see yeah, that too. Yeah, it would have been poignant. Yeah. I, could, yeah, mm-hmm. I could go for that. Nice way to wrap it up. The snow starting to fall. Mm-hmm. Ooh, ominous. Mm-hmm. Especially after seeing, if it if it came after seeing the wall knocked down. Yeah. And then you're seeing it start to snow in King's Landing. It's like they're arriving. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? That might have even yeah. been better. That, yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's entirely <laughs> possible. Great thought, Karen. Our, our next email comes from Tom V. Hey guys, my name is Tom Valon. I live in Houston, and during the storm, the only positive conversations that were happening about the uh, about the season were about the season finale of Game of Thrones. It actually was the source of a lot of humor in a bad time, with jokes like "This storm better not interfere with my plans to watch the season finale," <laughs> and so on. I was lucky 
to only got a few inches of water in my apartment, but my family and many in my hometown an hour and a half east of here lost everything and are currently being airlifted out of their homes by emergency helicopters. So sorry to hear that, Tom. Still, my sister and I have had several long conversations where Game of Thrones lightened the mood and has us looking forward to something. It's great for indulging in the, in the tragedy of a fictional world in order to distract yourself from the tragedies in this one. One last thing. Waiting for your podcast helped me get back into the swing of something similar to a normal routine. I gave it a listen this afternoon to brighten up my first day back to work. It was brilliant, as always. Thanks, Tom. I'm glad that uh, the TV show has positive effects on the world. Um, at least, you know, in, if only just to brighten the spirits during... Uh, during dark times, but um, it, it makes me feel good that we helped do that for you as well. Yeah. Thanks for writing. Yeah, man. I hope you're okay. I think uh, he sent this a few weeks ago. So, uh, or a couple. Yeah. So why don't you um, let us know, you know, how everything's going with you and your family and everything. And Please, thanks so much for yeah, write, writing in. And I hope that, you know, you can pick up the pieces and move, move on from that. Uh, it's such, such a tragedy. And, I don't envy any of you guys out there. And I feel like yeah. you're probably going, oh man, I don't know if you are. It would be interesting to know though, whether you're like, oh, you know, we're, we're still suffering. And, and now this other storm came into Florida and kind of took the country's focus off of it. But, but I keep thinking about um, Texas and how bad that was for everybody. And I'm sure still is, you know, it's going to take a long time to pick up all those pieces. Yeah. I keep, I find myself thinking about, all of it, man. Texas, Florida, Absolutely, Oregon, yeah. and the fires out there, and just hope everything's calming down for people. Yeah. It sucks, man. Well, thanks for writing in, dude. Yeah, appreciate it, and hope everything's uh, you know working out for you guys down there. All right, that's our show, episode 43. Thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to call us, you can call at 813-563-3739. That's 813-JOFFREY. If you'd like to email, you can write in to ravens at gameofmicrophones.com. Check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash gompodcast. Next up, we will be covering Season 1, Episode 2, The King's Road. Woo! All right, everybody. That's our show. Thank you for listening. Winter is coming. In six years or so, I don't know, something like that. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hero.co. 